0: Hey everyone, so glad that you're here for another episode of Hormonally Speaking. Hope that you are doing well wherever you are in the world. So I wanted to let you know just really quick here before we dive into the episode that I will be doing another class this week that I've mentioned in previous episodes called the Metamorphosis Ritual Groove. And basically what we do is we get into our bodies by moving around with very you know simple stretches and dance moves just to kind of shake off your day and really start to connect to your body. And then we jump into an EFT or Emotional Freedom Technique session that is all about really clearing the intense energies and emotions that are sitting inside for most of us these days. Um, we really want to be able to process that stuff out so it doesn't get stuck in, in our liver and, and our organs and, and, you know, impacting our hormones because it will if we don't process it. And then we go into a short meditation session to really ground everything that we've done up until that point. And I'll end it with pulling a rune, which is an ancient um, tradition that is kind of similar to tarot in some ways, um, you know, a divination system, if you haven't done that before. So, but this week it's really exciting because I'm gonna be doing it from the Asheville Salt Cave, which if you've never heard of a salt cave, it's basically a room that is just covered in, you know, massive pink salt rocks. Um, and then in this particular cave they also have lots of small ones on the ground. It's such a beautiful place. There's um, you know, rocks with waterfalls happening on them. It's just so relaxing, but it's also detoxifying if you ever get a chance to go to one. So I'm super excited to do the class this week from the Asheville Salt Cave and share that with you guys um, and, you know, really kind of share. You can even, even though it's through the computer, you can get some of that that vibe um, that I think really adds to what I'm trying to do in the class. So if you can be a part of that, if you can make it, it will be on Thursday evening And that is uh, the 6th or the 7th. What day is it today? That would be the 7th. And it'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So um, you can sign up um, beforehand via Zoom. It'll also end up being on Facebook Live through the Asheville Salt Cave page. So check that out if you have a chance. And let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. So this is one I recorded um, a little while ago um, and, you know, kind of at the beginning of this pandemic, at least in terms of being in the U.S. And it was such a powerful episode. I wanted to share it right away, but there was just some other things that You know, I I needed to have you guys here before that. So I really am just floored by this guest. And I've known her for about a decade now, or a little over a decade. And to watch what she's done with her life and what she's done with her work, I think is so poignant for this time where so many people are really questioning you know, their purpose and what they should be kind of doing next and what they should really go after in this life if they've not been really following their dreams and really how to make them happen. She is so clear on that. And, you know, although it's not specific around hormones, it is very much tied into that because I think that, if we do not do work um, that really feeds us, and if we don't have passions in life, it's going to impact our hormones and other aspects of our health. So this episode is one that I would really, you know, take notes on. Really, she gives so many good, specific recommendations on how to go after what you really want. Um, so I'm gonna let let you hear that and jump in, and I will see you guys soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everybody, it's Christine Garvin, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. Glad that you are here with us this week. Um, I'm doing a little bit of a different interview today with a woman that I've known through uh, writing channels. For we were trying to figure out what year, and um, I think we came up with 2008, which is just crazy to me that we've known each other this long, you know, through the internet and um, never in real life, and. The reason that I invited her to be on this podcast is because she's such an inspiration on so many levels, and, and I think that you'll hear this in this interview. So let me start off by just telling you a little bit about her. Her name is Lola Akinmare, and she's an award-winning writer and photographer, and has uh, photographed and dispatched from 70-plus countries for various publications. She is the 2018 Travel Photographer of the Year with the bill, for the Bill Muster Award recipient. Her work has appeared in National Geographic, Traveler, BBC, CNN, The Guardian, Travel and Leisure, Slate, Travel Channel, Adventure.com Magazine, AFAR, Lonely Planet, Fodders, several in-flight magazines, amongst others. She has collaborated with high-profile commercial brands for Mercedes-Benz and, Dave to Intrepid, excuse me, and Dove to Intrepid Travel and National Geographic Channel. In addition to contributing to several books, she is the author of the following books, the 2018 Lowell Thomas Award winner for Best Travel Book, Due North, and best-selling Lagom, Swedish Secret of Living Well, available in 18 foreign language editions. And you'll have to tell me if I said that right. She has been recognized with multiple awards and nominations for her work, including a Pushcart Prize nomination, and was honored with a MyPad 100, that's the most influential people of African descent. Award within media and culture in 2018. So as you can tell, just from her, you know, pretty short bio, she's done a lot, a lot, a lot, and I think she um, has such an incredible story. So welcome, Lola.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Christine. Yeah, oh, to be here.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here amidst all of the chaos as we were just talking mm. about, right? Mm. It's, so it's, I know. Yeah, definitely chaotic times. So you're in Sweden right now right? Yes. And you have been in Sweden for how long?
1: It's, gonna, it's going on 11 years now.
0: Okay, so that's quite some time. And then before that you were in the U.S., is that right?
1: Yeah, so before that I was in the U.S. for 16 years 16 and then years. before that I, uh, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria and moved to the U.S. when I was 15 to go to yeah. college. So that's okay. kind of my trajectory, yeah.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> so, you know, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, did you really see as a young girl that you would end up, you know, being this, not just international traveler, but international liver, right? I mean, you obviously lived <laughs> in very different places in the world. Yeah. Is that something yes. that, you know, was kind of a part of you from a young age?
1: Well, I didn't know I was going to end up living in Sweden, but mm-hmm. I knew I was going to end up traveling. So mm-hmm. I was going to make travel my career and growing up in Nigeria geography was my subject. I loved geography. I loved learning about different cultures, about the world. And so I knew I was going to make that part of my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. The way it's manifested itself, you know, Mm -hmm. over the years has been really kind of humbling uh, and uh, and exciting. And so just with that love for travel, I was also just very interested in writing, Mm -hmm. you know, and photography and, and art. And so just everything kind of came together. Mm-hmm. You know, over the years when I started realizing as I travel down this journey that this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and then do more of what you like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then that kind of narrows that path until you find your own path towards I, your goal.
0: I love that you brought that up. Um, I read recently... Oh, I I can't remember. It was a woman that had been on Saturday Night Live um, in in the 80s. And she said it was horrendous, you know, just a horrendous Mm. experience. And she promised herself at that point that she would only forever after take jobs that felt fun, you know, and that Mm. Mm. that she felt that sense of like, I love this, you know. And, um, that's pretty much what has led to her her success ever since then, you know? And, and I think that, um, I, I love hearing that bit of wisdom because I, I think so many times I, I felt like, okay, well, I got to slog through these things to get to where I want to go, you know, and Mm. it doesn't make sense on a deep level, right. To continue to do things that you don't like doing in order to supposedly get to where you want to go.
1: Correct. You know, and the thing is that sometimes we do have responsibilities that kind of take us off that path. Mm -hmm. And I understand, you know, if you've got kids, if you're a caretaker, if there are other bills you have to pay, I understand that. But also I am a big advocate for slowly tripping away, Mm -hmm. you know, towards where you really want to go. Mm -hmm. And look at it this way. If you go into something maybe just for the money, Mm -hmm. then when times get really tough, then just emotionally it's going to drain you. But mm-hmm. if you go something into something because you're passionate about it, mm-hmm. you're going to be a lot more resilient. So, so that when it does dip,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: mm-hmm. you're still going to have that passion. It's not right. because you know, this is what you want to do. It's just that life is taking you a, a different route right now. So it's, right. I think it's, Um, I'm very grateful that I found my passion very mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. And that has, that's what has been able to help me focus.
2: Mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of
1: using you know focus that this is the you know there's something i always say i always say that travel really isn't the passion Mm -hmm. there is something that allows us to use travel as the avenue Mm -hmm. to express the passion so -hmm. for example you're a dancer you know Mm -hmm. when i say you you dance that's your passion right Mm -hmm. you could use travel Mm-hmm. as a way of expressing that. So you could be a, a, a dancer who goes to different cultures and explores dance in different cultures. Mm-hmm. Or you could be a dancer for a for a dance company, you know, but mm-hmm. the passion itself is the same. Right. And right. so I always say your passion is what you can do both on the road and mm-hmm. at home.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, that brings up for me, you know, I want to get back to, because I want to hear your story of of moving to the U.S., but I, what you're saying just brings up for me, you know, I, one of the things I've admired in watching you just, you know, blossom over these past 12 years is, you know, I'm amazed that you've had a family, that you've done all of these things, and then are so successful in your work, and I'm like, she's got to be just, like, you must have really set, boundaries around everything but I'm really curious if you can give us an idea of sort of how you I don't want to say do it all but you know how you really chip away as as you were mentioning you know because I think a lot of people yes. struggle um, with that. I, I,
1: no absolutely and I think um, you know one of it is also delegating what can be delegated so mm-hmm. for example you know with social media I have two other people that help me with social media right yeah. you know mm-hmm. so some of, some of that can be delegated I think once you find out this is where you want to go then it's easier to say no to tasks
2: mm-hmm. that
1: pull you off that and and so I work on larger paying assignments mm-hmm. and then the bylines which I call them vanity bylines right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the really big name publications mm-hmm. they don't pay that much mm-hmm. Uh, and over the years i've kind of stopped chasing them. I only chase if I would like to get the byline to help right. Buster, yeah. but I focus on the publications that are maybe not as popular, but they pay a lot more mm-hmm. so that's again trying to use your works matter not harder
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: and then and then I'm very grateful in that I live in a country that does understand work life balance, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so that kind of helps a lot in terms of flexibility. I mean, you know, the kids in school in the US, that will be at least two to $3,000 a month yeah. just to send kids to school. In Sweden it's like 150 bucks, like it's wow. you know, and yeah, so the flip side is that I pay a lot of taxes, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a, so that's right, uh, you right, know. that's true, so, that's true. So, yeah. so, so when I see, the, you know, when I get those, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, like, no, but 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 I also see where the taxes go, you know, and yeah. so it's all about work life balance, and so. And, and then with my husband, right? So my husband, he doesn't work. He goes to school full time, you mm. know. And he used to be a journalist when mm-hmm. I met him. Okay. And when and when I met him, I was a programmer, which mm-hmm. meant I like right. like which which made I already made three times what I did. When right. I met him, right. You know? and, and now he doesn't work. He go. He's, he's trying to go back. Um, he's back in school now to switch degrees so mm-hmm. he can become a teacher. So the point of me saying that is that I'm not. I didn't marry into a very, like right. I didn't marry a rich right. guy. You know? You're so, like, so, I'm not okay. taken care of over here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah so, mm-hmm. so, that, so, so I think it, it comes down to trying to make smart choices, getting support where you need, mm-hmm. it, delegating, focusing, and knowing that, that if this is what you really want to do, you're going to find time to do it. Like mm-hmm. people say, oh, I don't have enough time in the day. Yeah, you actually do mm-hmm. if it's something you really want to do. Hmm. hmm
0: does that mean yes. for you sometimes you like get up way early or stay up way late to get things done or yes, you, sometimes better, yeah okay
1: sometimes but but also I actually do get sleep you know mm-hmm. so people are like she, she probably doesn't sleep I'm like well I actually fall asleep with the kids at like around 8.39. That's good. You know, and, then, yeah. and then by the time I wake up and, and it's by mistake. It's just yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah, tired. You're, like, <laughs> you're just <laughs> done. Then, yeah, I Exactly. I <laughs> just pass out. <laughs> you know? But then by the time you wake up, you wake up at 3.34am mm-hmm. and then then you've already slept like at least six hours mm-hmm. at least you know and, mm-hmm. and some sometimes even more so so yes you know um, I do get enough sleep and it's. I actually wrote a blog post, and I'll share that with you about okay. how I stay productive. Mm, that
0: would be great. Because
1: yes, yes. Because what I do is I actually don't have a long to-do list. I mm. actually have three to four daily tasks, nice. right? Mm-hmm. So instead of putting, instead of me writing a long to-do list, when I see that list, it freaks me out. Like, yeah. oh my god, these are all the things. But there are sometimes I don't even have to look at a, a task until two months from now.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So why am
1: I looking at it today right now. on a to-do yeah. list? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so what I actually do is I break out, and, and, and in this post, it really clearly outlines how I stay productive, like three tasks a day. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if I want to, for example, enter a contest, and the contest deadline is next month, I don't even put it on my list until like a week before the deadline. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's kind of how I've mentally spaced out Mm-hmm. my schedule to that, stay productive yeah. and to mentally. <laughs> to stay well, mentally I think that's,
0: that's really important because it's so much of getting things done is that mental aspect, right? And when we um, set things up to where it's just instant overwhelm when we look at it, a lot of us shut down, right? Or we procrastinate. I mean, I've been exactly. there a million times.
1: You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And especially when you have kids and all those things going on, you can easily kind of procrastinate and not get the things exactly. done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I've actually, and I have to say that has really, truly helped me over the years mm-hmm. because if I have, for example, three articles to write,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going to put them on my to-do list as three articles to write. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say today, start article one, Tomorrow, continue article one, mm-hmm. the third day, start article two. Mm-hmm. That kind of just mentally spaces. So I don't feel like I have a lot to do. I, yeah. It's just daily to do. Yeah. That's kind of great.
0: And so you kind of create that, ta- that task list every day, or do you, yes. you, have, you have some?
1: Big- no, I spice them out. I, I, I spice them out. So I okay. use uh, OneNote. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. I can and and so and I have like my little color coding system as well. Mm-hmm. So I can so I just put um you know I'm sure there there's so many scheduling tools, mm-hmm. but I really right. like OneNote because yeah. it's just like I'm writing an outline. Mm-hmm. I just write the date, I put the outline. Da 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 tomorrow. Da da da. I just see it and yeah. then as I go through, I delete. So yeah. so it's not. So I don't think like, oh, what did I do last week? What, what am I doing tomorrow? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it feels, feels so good when you hit that
0: delete too, right? <laughs> You're exactly. Like, and then oh, it know.
1: clears it. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, then it's, yeah. and, and then it just, so, so, so even though it feels like a to-do list, there's a date Yeah. where I'm not supposed to even look at it until March 31st or right. until May 1st.
0: Right, right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Love that. So that was a little (laughs) tangential. I'm like, that was for me more than maybe anybody else. um, Going back to, you know, you moved to the U.S., you said, for college when you were 16. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, so... I was—I actually finished uh, high school early, so I finished when I was fifteen. And then when w- I was going to go to college in Nigeria, mm-hmm. the universities went on strike, mm. you know. And so I traveled to the US on vacation, and I had, um, you know, my uncle and aunt lived there, mm-hmm. and so I stayed with them. And then I switched my uh, visitor's visa to a student visa mm. to start school. And You're so like, I I'm, started I'm here. I love yeah, You're yeah. like, so, let's yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, so well, because the universities were still on. Not- strike you know and right so right like, right okay, we need i need to start and so that's kind of how i started and my my degrees are actually in information systems and mm. geography
2: mm-hmm. so very
1: kind of more technical and and i worked as a programmer for over fifth, uh 12 13 yeah. years. Well, I'm sure that and helped the, you
0: initially to, you know, even as simple as like set up your own website and kind of yes. know how to connect in that way, maybe before yeah. a lot of people knew how to do that, right?
1: right? Yeah, it, yeah. Well, you couldn't
0: do these like drag and drop websites back then. So, no,
1: no, no, yeah. no. I mean, I, I was like a programmer programmer, yeah. and, you know, and uh, by the time I, I kind of advanced in that career, I was a system architect a tech lead, which mm. meant I was leading the technical implementation on a big projects with different yeah. programs yeah. so so uh, so that career i was good at my job like i knew mm-hmm. you like yeah. exactly yeah. But, um, but i also knew that um, writing was a passion you know mm-hmm. photography and i wanted to i wanted that more creative aspects yeah. of my life
0: so were you um, are, that- i imagine in that job you were probably already writing you know i mean technically yes. but you were writing were you taking uh, photographs this whole time too like just as a hobby <laughs>
1: Yeah, as an yeah. obby. And actually, when we met, which was in mm-hmm. 2008, I was still a programmer, just working. I, I do remember <laughs> so, that. Yeah, so, you're doing this so, whole side so, gig. Yeah. <laughs> so it is also, all the writing was the side gig back then. But uh, the photography came about more by accident. Mm. So um, I, I used to be an oil painter. Mm. And so when I, so when I travel somewhere, I take a picture of a scene I want to paint when I get mm-hmm. back.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that's
1: what I was using photography for. Gotcha. Until, until I realized, I think I was duplicating effort. (laughs) Like I could actually, (laughs) like I could actually actually just um, use photography as a new medium. Right. You know, exploring. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, if you see my work, it's usually like very kind of vibrant with a lot of eye contrast. And it's because that's how I edit it because I used to be an oil painter, so I'm a bit more heavy-handed in this, you know, in the vibrancy or the contrast in the photo. It's because I used to be an oil painter. That's That why.
0: makes so much sense because that's something I've noticed about your photography is the the vividness of the colors, you know, and yes. the kind of striking yes. um, aspect of of what you capture. I'll definitely, you know, in the notes, um, link to obviously your website and anything else because I want people to see your photography because it's it's really it's very really powerful. So
1: thank you. Glad thank you. you got
0: into that <laughs> and out of
1: programming. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. So what well, was that not.
0: final moment where you actually were like, okay, I'm done with programming and I'm going to do this writing, this photography thing, like full mm. time.
1: Well, I think the, the real flip came. It was actually in 2002. That was when the seed was planted. Mm-hmm. Was, um, there was an expedition race at the time called the Eco Challenge. Mm. And it was happening in Fiji. And they were looking for volunteers to just kind of help with this expedition, right, mm-hmm. in Fiji. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'd never be, even heard of Fiji at that time. I was just like, yeah. oh, my God, this sounds amazing. So I went. And my job as a volunteer was to be on their web team which meant I was supposed to write stories every day, take some photos, and then we were supposed to update the website every day with news about the race. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the the, the athletes just came out through Navala Village or la la la, or this Mm -hmm. is an an interview with an athlete, or this is what Navala Village looks and feels like. Mm -hmm. So it was while I was there, I was like, oh, my God, I think this is it. Yeah. This is a career. I'm actually... Mm-hmm. And that was it you know I actually remember the exact moment I was standing in the middle of a river like just wasted and I'm like oh my god this is it I can be writing about this rich kind of experiences around the world yeah you know to- the water told show- you <laughs> I know the water told me <laughs> before I try to if I try to carry me away you know
0: <laughs> what a metaphor
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, so I came back and so that was when I started kind of plotting my like how how can i move away from being a programmer mm. and i think when i found matador was around 2007 that was actually kind of the first one of the first places i pitched my writing to and then mm. you know the rest is history so yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well so yeah we were at matador i don't i don't remember i think you were still there maybe when i left um yes uh but you know, that was that 2008 to, I God, I can't remember when I left, maybe 2010 or 11.
1: Yeah, know. 2010, I think was when I, I left. I okay, think.
0: okay. Maybe you might yeah. have left before me then. I can't quite remember. Yeah. But but so yeah. at that point, you know, you obviously, I mean, I remember even while we were at Matador, you started writing for some of these bigger publications,
1: you yes. know. And, and, it's and, so, I, and I had no experience. Yeah, and, you know, so how did you do it? I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But by being audacious, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, Mm -hmm. don't be scared of rejection. I get rejected every single day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's why I tell people is, if you're audacious, what's the worst that could happen when you pitch a big publication? Mm -hmm. They ignore you. Mm -hmm. What's the best? What's the best that could happen? They respond. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I was audacious with no. Clips with nothing. I mm-hmm. just wrote. I'm like, you know what? I know how to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. I've taken these photos. I, I think this would be a great story. And I was able to sell
2: mm-hmm.
1: my work, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't a lot. Even if it was just like, oh, I just came back from Nigeria and I took a, you know, like five photos of like fishermen here. I was able to tell a story about that mm-hmm. and be able to communicate that truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why. And that's why it's important for people to find what they are truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. And pitch from that point, because it comes true. Right. It it really comes true.
0: Well, and I want to add, you know, as you were talking, what came to me is, you know, not just your passion, but there was a belief in yourself, Right. You're like, I know that I write well. I know that I take good photographs. And I think that's a place that is hard for people sometimes, you know, especially with these newer things, right? It's to come from that belief place in themselves. So do you feel like that's something you just have always naturally had, or is that something that you've worked hard to get?
1: I think, I think th- there is some base foundation there, mm-hmm. but then it's something you work at to get. And, mm-hmm. First, I'm a black woman, I'm an African woman, and I'm a woman. You know? Right, so right, exactly. Things, You're like, got
0: all the things. <laughs> go I got again, all the three. Yeah. And,
1: and so just trying to work in an industry that's predominantly white male, like, and not just any white male, but white guys that look like they just came down from Everest, <laughs> <laughs> looking all rugged, and yep. then go, go go post for GQ. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, like how, do I, how do I convince an editor? Right. to choose me mm-hmm. above that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of persistence. It was a lot of saying, you know what? I'm not going to take rejection personally, mm-hmm. but I know the quality of my work, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I know and I know that, you know, yes, there are people that may be better and yes, there are people, you know, I'm, I could be better, but I know what I can do. And that's mm-hmm. where I, I try to pitch. And I think for people that are creative, we we tend to take rejection more personally than we mm-hmm. shouldn't mm-hmm. than we should, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like somebody saying you know your baby's ugly I don't mm-hmm. like your baby mm-hmm. you know and, right. and that yeah, is absolutely exactly. You're like, oh <laughs> yeah, I, I know and that's a very personal thing you yeah. know and so so that's why for over ten years not actually for ten years I was publicly publishing what I call my pitching chats, right? Mm -hmm. So I will publicly publish how many pitches I -hmm. sent that Mm -hmm. year, Mm -hmm. how many were accepted, how many were rejected, how many are in limbo, how many got no responses. Mm -hmm. And then I will self-analyze based on that mm. so so and all you really problems. use that programmer mind <laughs> to, exactly, to, I to like know. kind of figure it out yeah yeah yeah. but because you need to figure out okay what's not working mm-hmm. and then you have to course correct mm-hmm. and so that was what has helped me mm-hmm. self-assess over mm-hmm. the years I make changes every year and I'll give you an example okay if I send a lot of pictures and the editor's kept coming back to me and saying no thank you we'll pass we we'll just published this we we'll passed we we'll just published this mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. that says you didn't do your homework.
0: that mm-hmm. says you did not read
1: the previous publications right like the previous issues mm-hmm. so read them before mm-hmm. you pitch mm-hmm. or, or if or if the editor said um uh, you know, oh sorry, we've just commissioned something similar, or we've just commissioned something similar. Oh, then I mean, that means I was too late mm-hmm. when the event happened mm-hmm. to pitch them.
0: Right, so right, right.
1: Things like, so things like that, those are things that a lot of writers don't understand. That's what's important to help self-assess and then, right. you know, fine-tune their pitching and and create something more solid. Right, and that will help over the years. So all this is publicly out there on my website. I'll send you the link. So That's awesome. Can see.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think it's such a good valid point for so many things in life, right? Not just our careers and what we're going after. You know, I, I feel like this is a lesson that I've, personally just learned in a much bigger way over the past few years you know I I used to hate any kind of criticism you know I was Mm. just like and I would kind of like really shy away from the possibility of it because it just that that sense of like your baby's ugly you know and um, you know I think just over time of doing some inner work it's a shift to be able to see these things as I don't want to, you know, I, I, some people will call it like an opportunity and I don't know if I I would put it in an opportunity to, to do better, but to really look at it as, you know, this is all, this whole thing, this life is just Mm -hmm. us seeing, you know, hopefully witnessing what we're doing and then just trying to get a little bit better at it, right? It's kind of a game and when you can kind of get yourself out of the, you know, feeling rejection or, um, shame. I think a lot of times shame comes up for people, right? Mm. When you Uh. kind of (laughs) learn how to really work with that and see this, okay, Oh, actually now I can see this is how I can get better. Like this is helping Mm. me to get better. And, you know, I know that just saying that, you know, people have heard that before and and that they can be like, well, it's easy enough to say, but when you're in it, but there is a distinct shift when you start to believe that on a deeper level Yes, and and, and you're not held back as much. Right. And this is true in health. Like, you know, so often, um, just working with clients on hormone stuff, it's like they hit these walls around things, you know, and I'm like, Mm. this is really an opportunity for you to learn. More about your body, and this is going to serve you as you continue on this this journey and this path. You know, so Mm -hmm. I I really loved that that you brought that up, and I wanted to bring it around. It's
1: absolutely, yes, no, absolutely. It is a learning experience, and I think a lot of people, you know, we fear. You know, everybody has some level of imposter syndrome, so they feel like okay, I'm I'm not good, and you know, so there's that we're battling against. We're battling against shame. We are battling against rejection, Mm -hmm. and one of the things that you know. I'll put on my photographer app right now and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, I like photographing people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially strangers. Mm-hmm. But with strangers, what comes? Because a lot of people are scared of photographing strangers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reason we are scared is because of the shame and the rejection mm-hmm. absolutely you know and and so once you start putting yourself in those kind of situations where you get rejected a lot,
0: mm-hmm.
1: rejection kind of loses its thing mm-hmm. after a while mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it really does yeah. so so yeah. I,
0: remember, I think it was in uh, the Game Changers book, um, Dave Asprey, who's bulletproof, um, his stuff is the bulletproof, you know, diet and, and drink and all that. But he interviewed a guy that set out on an experiment to basically do, I don't know if it was once a day or multiple times a day for a certain amount of time to ask for things that he, kno- he knew he would get rejected like, that mm. he wouldn't get them so that he could become accustomed to rejection. So it <laughs> wouldn't sting as much. Right. But yeah. also what was fascinating in the experiment was that he found that more people said yes than no yeah. in situations that he asked exactly. for crazy things. And he was like, Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. people really actually on the whole want to help. They want to help you yeah. get it done. And so it's such a mind flip to, to think that that way, you know, and also to exactly. build up that, you know, that strength against the, the rejection. So it's not as, um, it doesn't impact you as much anymore.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so going back to, I'm glad that you brought up about, you know, being a black woman in this industry, which is full of white men, which is a lot of industries, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of ways. And then you've obviously lived, you know, I mean, in the U S where racism is a big issue. And then Sweden is obviously a very white country. You know, I don't know much about what, um, the race issues are like in Sweden, but I'm just curious, like you're, you're such a, an amazing example. You know, it's, I I mean, when you're a a just black person, it's Mm -hmm. so incredibly hard in this world, but if you're a black woman, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's, it's just have so many things against you and i know Uh, so many black women that work so hard and they uh, it's really hard for them to get out of of that place because of what society you know puts on them on a daily basis so i'm just curious really like how you've dealt with that and all of these kind of situations
1: absolutely and and so one of the things that i do is Mm -hmm. and that's also like with sweden why i wrote the book Mm log which is Mm -hmm. about the swedish mentality Mm -hmm. is I love culture. I I love kind of exploring the nuances of culture. I did this in the U.S., you know, in Nigeria, in Sweden, and I also try to pull out what makes us similar, what makes us different, mm-hmm. and and then like with the book, I I call that uh, if you're knocking your head against a wall, the book shows you how to walk around the wall and just keep moving forward, mm-hmm. because because racism also. You know, exist here and it's mm-hmm. a different kind of racism mm-hmm. than in the US. Mm-hmm. And so in the US, it's more in your face, mm. but people still discuss it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not that it's quiet, like we talk about race on TV as we should, mm-hmm. because if we do not talk about it, then that means we're not acknowledging other people's pain. Mm-hmm. So in the US, we talk about it. In the US, I could be like Oprah Winfrey if I wanted to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the US, in the US, if there is a racist that hates me, mm-hmm. at least the racist doesn't doubt who I am. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's a racist that hates Oprah Winfrey, but the racist doesn't doubt that Oprah Winfrey is super powerful. Is, she <laughs> yeah. is super powerful and yeah. she's smart enough to do what she wants. He just doesn't like her that she's black. Right. In Sweden, it's a kind of more subtle, condescending racism. So mm. it's more of like uh oh, are you a doctor? Then you must be really smart Mm, to be a doctor. So it's a Mm -hmm. different kind of condescension. Mm -hmm. So in Sweden, it's a great place to live in a corner quietly. Mm -hmm. They're not going to disturb you. They're Mm going to give you great quality of life. But the minute I say I want to be the CEO of of, uh, Ericsson or IKEA, Mm -hmm. that's when the problem Mm -hmm. starts, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's almost like it's, it's a country that tries to just kind of force people into different boxes. Like, okay, you're here. This is your corner. This is yeah. your corner. See, everybody is happy kumbaya. Right. do leave your corner. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Your you're like,
0: not kumbaya. <laughs> exactly,
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Do, you, do you think that that conversation is um, is going to come more over time? Or do you think it's kind of just because well, the country's insulated?
1: So so the thing is that it's a conversation that, was that, uh, that is coming and is mm-hmm. being had. But before you have conversations, you have to understand the tapestry of a culture, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So I, so I have, a, so I know a lot of American friends that are like la 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 la, just all aggressive. That well, Sweden, you know, is mm-hmm. this is this is how it should be. I'm like, mm-hmm. you have to first of all understand mm-hmm. how the mindset of a certain people work, right? Right. You, you know, you understand mm-hmm. before you can start having the conversation yep. in different capacities. Absolutely. So being a black being a black woman in Sweden is different from being a black woman in America. You yeah. can apply both yeah. kind of yeah. ways into doing it, especially when you're working with a culture that's naturally reserved or, mm-hmm. or it's a culture, of, it's a culture that, um, Kind of starts as mindfulness where they give you space, mm-hmm. but then becomes lack of acknowledgement mm-hmm. because they're giving you space. Yeah, space. Right. So right. it's so so it's a very so so you can't just. I always say that if you're gonna fight a battle or a war, you need to understand. You need to come up with your own strategy, or yeah. or at least understand what the landscape looks like. Yeah. You can't just go fight a war in the same way you fight in a different place. Right. So that's uh.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because you're really a studier of cultures, right? I mean, that's what you do in your work is you study through photographing people and getting to know them and writing about them. So I, you know, I, I think it's a very fascinating take your experience of living in Sweden and and what you're saying of like understanding the culture before, um, having that conversation because you get, that deep sense of yeah there 's this this foundation, um, and you can 't i mean so often and i 'm going to go back to health here for a second because um, it, you know, it relates and not as an impactful way, but so often, you know, with, with food, people will say, Oh, the Japanese eat this kind of diet and they're super healthy. Correct. Right. Yeah. And then we'll try and put yes. it on, you know, people that are, have European heritage and that is right. not, it's not going to wor- work the same, you know, like our, yeah. our genes yeah. do have an impact on us. Um, and yes. so it's like we try and always just um extrapolate from one situation and put it onto another exactly
1: and that's, yeah no it, it's it, going to work yes yeah it doesn't work you know like 100% that way you know like for example in the in the US you know if i just even culturally i can be two things right so i can be Japanese-American, Chinese-American, African-American, Italian-American. In Sweden, it feels like you you can either be one or the other, Mm -hmm. right? interesting. So it's still, yeah, so it's still not even at the point where I can be like, oh, I am Italian-Swedish. Yeah. Oh, I am, you know, so now it's just now Afro-Swedes and I'll say, you know what, I'm Afro-Swedish, you know, and and trying to say, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I'm not integrating. That doesn't mean I'm not... You know, you know, accepting cultural elements—it just mm-hmm. means I can be both. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's, so that's, so that's why I say sometimes when, you know, Americans just kind of talk about, oh, this is how it should be there. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the landscape first, yeah, and then absolutely. have the conversation based on from that landscape, right? Because it's still a landscape that still wants you to be one or the other, and you're like, right. no, you're
0: like, no, and I'm grateful. <laughs>
1: no, no, I'm like, yeah. no, I'm Nigerian, American, Sweden, yeah. like you, so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. it, I mean, there must. It seems like there's definitely a level of um, that culture that you love a lot, right? Because you've written yes. a book about it. You have. You yes. oversee a website about it, right? Too.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. while well, the website is more just uh, what to do in Stockholm, you gotcha. know, like to, as a slow traveler, so it's mm-hmm. just more kind of resources and ways to explore. The- the city, you know, slower. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but still, like, there's definitely, yeah, this, yes. this, you know, connection and beauty, and that's I, what I love about your work is you. There always feels like a connection to place when you when yes. you look at your work, you know. So, um, what about in terms of like, you know, I know, I mean, going back to the white male thing, when uh, <laughs> going going to you know some of these big conferences and things like that, these travel writing and photography, Mm. and um, my guess is, I haven't been to any of them, but that's filled with a lot of um, white males. You know, how, how um, were you, you know, when you first started going to stuff like that, how did people Mm. react to you? How did those guys in particular react to you?
1: Well, in the beginning, it was more of an entitlement. Like, why are you in my space? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, even even if they are mediocre, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> you know, it's right, like right. this. Like, <laughs> this is just my space. You shouldn't be there. You yeah. Know? And then I'm like, and and for me, you can't tell me. And I think that's growing up in Nigeria, right? So I grew up in Nigeria where it was just everybody looks like you, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody was telling me that I couldn't do something because I was black. Mm-hmm. And so and so when I moved to the US and maybe people are trying to tell me you can't do this because you're black I'm like Mm -hmm. you have to give me a stronger reason because that doesn't make sense
2: (laughs) that ain't gonna work sorry my friend yeah
1: (laughs) for me but that's how I grew up and Mm -hmm. so I think for me that also helped in terms of like when people came to try and put me in a box I'm like why are you Mm -hmm. trying to do this is it because of my color of my skin okay so that doesn't make sense because Mm -hmm. I grew up in a place where everybody looked like me and was was excellent you know so I'm still excellent so what? You know And so I think over time, just kind of also being true to your voice, putting your own work out there and, and uh, not being afraid. like I said, I'm very audacious, mm-hmm. you know, and, no. and, and, and if I wasn't, I wouldn't be as right. where you. Know? So, so if I see and I feel like I, I need to be there, I'm going to try to yeah. get there, you know yeah. and be like, "No, my voice needs to be there too. I'm, my voice is representing other voices that need to be here as well. Yeah. Because yep. if this, if these guys are going to places and writing from their own point of view, and I go to the same place and I don't get the same experience, mm-hmm. we need to be, we need to be sharing a balanced view of the place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, And so, and so I always give an example, like, you know, um, for example, if, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say white lady, this, you know, goes maybe goes to a place and she's just warmly invited into a culture and like, oh, I met this local family and they brought me into their house and they made dinner and I met the grandma, it was beautiful. <laughs> and, and, I, and I read a post, I'll be like, oh my God, I want that same experience and then I go there. And, and then that, because I'm black, I don't get that same.
0: Right, 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 be- right,
1: right. So, so, so when I come back, stories of the place need to be balanced. Otherwise yeah. it's just going to be like, this like, is our one for
0: well, we romanticize a lot of times other cultures exactly. and especially indigenous cultures, right? Which I yes, mean, I know yes. I was caught up in that for a lot of years. And I mean, there's amazing, amazing things about all indigenous yeah. cultures. And then they also have their bad things or they're not yeah, so yeah. like everybody, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and we're all human. And, and that's one of the things that should always kind of be some balance. And the, mm. thing is, and the thing is that that diversifies and makes the stories we tell. More complete, mm-hmm. you know more mm-hmm. just fuller and richer, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes I may have an amazing experience because i 'm a minority in a place, and have access because people see themselves in me, right. but like if a white person went, they may not give us much access right. so that right. oh, so 's why it 's important to diversify the tra- kind of stories we tell mm-hmm. by keeping the space open so, mm-hmm. so it 's not just a particular point of view you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, with everything you're saying, I was just thinking about, like, this is why you're such an inspiration to me and and why I wanted Mm. you to be on here for women, you know, that I think, um, in general, can get beat down around a lot of things, right? Yes. And um, feel... Um, out of place, feel that they aren't good enough, all of these different things. And so, you know, the fact that um, you've brought up being audacious a few times, I think Mm. is really, really, really important um, as a reminder that we, keep having to bring ourselves back to that, even if mm-hmm. we're scared, even if we have fear, even if we're introverts, you know, to find that passion, to find yes. um, that thing that we know that we're good at and really come mm-hmm. back to that place of knowing and then, you know, be audacious, right? Like that's absolutely. what it, that's what it has to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I recently gave a TED- TEDx talk. Yes, that's right. The title was called The Power of Asking Why Not. Mm. And and the reason I gave that talk is because in addition to being audacious, we have to keep asking why not. Why am I not allowed into this room? Why is this door close to me? Why not? Because the more you ask it, the more you be, I mean, the three reasons I gave is that it can be a code of uh, of understanding, Mm -hmm. right? Because somebody might already have a prejudiced view. Mm -hmm. But when you ask them why not, it forces them to re-examine. Why why not? Why am Mm -hmm. I not giving this? And then you actually expose their own bias to them, Right. Even if they they feel like they, even if some people are like, no, I'm not, I'm not racist. But you're like, well, why not? Yeah. Why are you not? Yeah. And then, and then another why not is also that it makes us, um, it actually can push us to live in to live the best version of our own lives, right? Mm-hmm. So if, some, if we keep asking why not, sometimes we want to do it to prove that, look, I can do this. Why not me? Mm-hmm. Of course mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. But once you start living your life beyond other people's expectations, mm-hmm. then you become impossible to ignore. Yeah. You just become impossible to ignore. Right. So that, was, so that was, for me, the power of why not. Why mm-hmm. So in addition to being audacious, keep asking why not.
0: That's That's so, I love that angle because I haven't ever thought about that before. I'm going to go watch your TEDx talk after we're done. But it's it's so true. And particularly right now with this instability that we're facing in the world for, Mm. you know, at least the next few months, if not longer. I mean, I'm sure it will impact us you know, even longer than that, but it, it's kind of this perfect opportunity to ask why not, right? It's like when everything gets flipped on its head that you've known, right? And that you thought mm-hmm. you had to be and that you thought that you were, um, your life was, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's being mm-hmm. kind of changed for a lot of people. And exactly. that's super scary, but it also is this opportunity to ask, you know, why not? Why, why is now not the time for me to do this Correct. this thing? Correct. Right. Correct. So, yeah. yeah, super powerful. But
1: also, but also what, what I, one of the talks I gave is called, uh, you know, looking at transitions in our lives as opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is an horrendous time we're going through. I mean, people are losing their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know when the cure will be. There's so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And this is a transition everybody's going through, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. If, so if, if you were tied, if your success was tied to what you did,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right right and then that is taken then who are you
0: who are you yeah and so Mm
1: -hmm. so this is so this is an opportunity for people to rediscover who they are Mm
0: -hmm.
1: once again to say what am i who am i truly at my core
2: Mm -hmm. um
1: this is an opportunity for them to discover their strengths Mm -hmm. what they are good at am i good at problem solving am i resilient am i you can start finding those strengths this is an opportunity for people to drop the masks.
2: Yes. So yep. if you
1: if you if you've had a bogus on online social media, like persona, yeah. Now is an opportunity to just use this, like yep. use this opportunity to just drop it. Yeah. Because if because there are people that are burning out and feeling like they have to keep a certain look, certain yeah. way every time.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. And
1: and 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 they've over time they're they're dying inside, but they can't show it outside. Absolutely. Because they have to. Because they have to, the angles have to be great.
0: They have to be an but, influencer or what have you. Yeah, yeah. This
1: is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Just be an opportunist right now to just drop that, so you can reinvent and be like, oh, now I'm more yeah. real. Now I'm my more authentic self, and this is not as important, yeah. you know. And so there are just, you know, many ways to look at this transition point as opportunities to to grow, to reevaluate, to reprioritize. So. Right.
0: And it's interesting that you bring that up in the authenticity piece, because I feel like that's been kind of a, an undercurrent here for the last maybe like you know two to three years, where people are are exhausted of of the mask and exhausted of yes. trying to keep up on that level, and not necessarily finding it makes them successful anyway. Like that was kind yeah. of the point, right? And so yes. you've seen the slow and undercurrent happening of people trying to you know or showing up more authentically. It feels like in social media, um, but still there's still being a huge wave of the influencers yes. and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. now we have this huge thing out of our control that's happened in the
2: world
0: that's really just kind of cut all that out, that stuff that doesn't matter up here, right? And the authenticity has the opportunity to rise, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the thing is that, you know, and I think it was Brené Brown that said it, is like you don't have to talk about – like your bikini wax or something to be authentic but you can talk <laughs> right. about I, I, don't, so what, I don't know what it was but but like like oversharing doesn't we we definitely don't
0: need to know about your bikini wax <laughs> yeah, but I know, but I,
1: know no, she, I, I think that was what she said I can't even right. but she was something quiet like that yeah. but it was something about like there's a difference between being vulnerable and, and being authentic and being and oversharing right because our society has equated oversharing with being authentic.
0: Right. You're right. That's, that's like the, I, the, the uh, yeah, other side of the sword or whatever the double. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so, you know, I feel like I'm authentic online, even if I don't post photos of my family on yeah. Instagram, right. Yeah. You know, there are ways I can, you can still be authentic with while still keeping some privacy. privacy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think, you know, that's just for me. Everybody's of course, you can live your life the way yeah. you want, but I think, um you know, sometimes there's some things that just need to be, for you. There are some things you need to protect. Yeah. There are some things, you know, especially in this crazy, crazy world.
0: Yeah, I so. think there's there's a lot of value to that, you know, and I get it, yeah. like everybody, you know, um, feels comfortable sharing on different levels and what it does for yes. them, but, but understanding the value of some things in life being kind of sacred, you know, and that yes. being, yeah, it doesn't need to be shared in this big way for you to, um, yeah, to, to yeah. You know, live a successful life
1: or anything. Correct. Like yeah. but, but also there's also, like, if you're also going through something Mm -hmm. that you feel like would help other women Mm -hmm. that's also okay you know like you know for example you know if you um you know for example you're a prime example of going through just that incredible experience Mm -hmm. just you sharing it made people sit up Mm -hmm. listen like oh if this could happen to christine oh my god you know and Mm -hmm. then take care of their health more and just so so that's important. That's what, mm-hmm. that's good sharing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like because yeah. it inspires and it uplifts and it, and it changes the discussion and it puts a face on something that people don't know yeah. a lot about. Yeah. You know, so that's, so that's, that's what I mean, good sharing. Yep. Bad sharing is just like, I just got the bikini wax today, you know, and whatever <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. So it's too different it, for me anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. like, I'm good. I don't need to know that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Okay. I, you know, one of the things people will often say to me, they'll, you know, say thank you for sharing all of that experience and, you know, why I recommend particularly, you know, if, if you, if a woman or anyone is dealing with, Chronic illness, or you know, different things that they yes. felt like they've had to hide. Um, how healing it can actually be to share with the world. Oh you know? yeah, because you're 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 teaching others what is happening and what can happen. That you're, um, it's so hard to keep all that stuff inside, you know. And and yes. I definitely recommend therapy and doing all those things too. But there's something absolutely it can be used as a very therapeutic tool, you know, if people feel mm. comfortable doing that. And I feel like I've seen you know, someone that I know hide for a long time that they've dealt with some mm. really chronic illness and then they finally put it out there and they just breathe the sigh of relief, right? Because yes. that is truly showing the world, you know, I don't wanna say who they are because I don't think chronic illness mm. defines you, but it shows mm. what you are experiencing and what you're going through yeah. on this very, you know, intimate level yeah. that, um, that gives, it's, a, it's in a, um, a good energy exchange. Aww. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It, it, it humanizes you. That's yep. all. It just, it mm-hmm. just, it, it, it just means you're not superwoman yep. and you're a human being. Right. Yep. And, and that's what I shared a lot of this. Like when my daughter was born, because mm-hmm. I've got two kids, my son is the younger one. And I wrote a lot about just the transition I was mm-hmm. going through, you know, the transitions we, we really talk about mm-hmm. as travelers mm-hmm. and that's, that our, our value decreases the minute we become care Because. Yeah. So
2: yeah, even though imagine. the
1: society doesn't say it because then the jobs reduce and everything. And then I will, I, and I wrote, I was like, I was, I was still trying to prove to everybody that I could do everything. I was right. a superwoman. I just had a baby. I could do this. And I'm like, I'm not superwoman. Right. And I wrote all this. And I don't have to be, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to, and I have to, um, just, uh, settle in the fact that this is a huge life transition as well. Yeah. So oh, so those are the kind of things I shared publicly, you know, the mm-hmm. things that I felt like maybe to connect to other moms mm-hmm. going through this mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, so it's about finding what you feel could resonate as well with other people, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, just going through this kind of, okay, what's it like being a mom with two kids yeah. when well, I don't blog, I, I don't, I'm not a family blogger, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't blog about that every day right, and I right. don't have to and I don't have to be because that was not why I got into travel, right? But I can share mm-hmm. some of my experiences and stuff. So yeah, it's uh, very interesting. You know? I love it.
0: <laughs> I love everything that you've done, and I'm so glad that you came on and chatted oh, thank with you. me today. It's been so amazing. And um,
1: oh, thank you. To
0: know obviously, you know, um, a good chunk of your story, but I really was excited to get into these specifics um, of how how you've done all of this and how you know hmm. you approach the world because I think um it's as I said already it's super inspirational and it always makes mm, me feel you. like all right like you know <laughs> like I can hunker down and do more <laughs> like look at this woman <laughs> who's doing like all this stuff so I feel
1: the same way when I see I'm like oh my god you know Kristen is amazing dancing doing all this stuff staying in shape this great diet, and I'm like, you know what? I I could go for a walk at least once in a while. I could at least do that around my block. Uh, <laughs> so, we've all got our things, right? <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. So,
0: so let yeah. people know where they can contact you and find out more
1: about mm-hmm. you. Yeah, so I am online. Uh, just akimade.com mm-hmm. a-k-i-n-m-a-d-e.com dot com, mm-hmm. and there are links to my social media and stuff there. So. Okay um, without sounding considered, I'm easy to find.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm all over the web. Yeah. Well, I definitely recommend, you know, following you on Instagram because you get to see a lot of your photography that way, which is yes. thank you so wonderful. Um, you know, that, that's the, that's the beauty of Instagram, right? When it comes to photography, yes. it's, it's a really yes. great place to, to witness that. So, um, I yeah, so appreciate you being here today and I look forward oh, to thank continuing you. to watch, you know, all the amazing things that you do in the world.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you for having me.
0: For sure. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week.